You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 769 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Thursday evening into Friday morning. And the majority of today's show is a crossover episode that I did with the two hosts of the Locked On Cavs podcast. We recorded that on Wednesday. Um, you'll hear that later on, and that's sort of hosted by those guys. But um, I elected to talk about this and just sort of cross things over. We uh, talk, we have lots in common right now as uh, t- t- cover, sort of covering teams that are not going to the bubble. So that ended up being sort of a crossover episode. Hope you guys enjoy that later on in the pod. Before we get to that, there is a little bit of news, and uh, I just want to plug one or two things here at the top. If you missed it on Thursday, Thursday, we posted a special edition episode that went live across the entire Locked On Podcast Network featuring a roundtable discussion between eight hosts a- across the network. Uh, that includes Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, if you, who's been on the show before. I def- definitely recommend checking that out. It's a really good discussion and certainly worth your time to listen to that unique perspective, and hopefully you guys enjoy that podcast. Also, as for Hawk stuff, our last show had a ton of audio from Lloyd Pierce and Travis Schlenk. Uh, so I wanted to go ahead and plug that as well from earlier in the week. If you missed anything from that, sort of a different, different show than we normally would do. Lots of audio from them directly. And I thought it was a good time to go ahead and do something like that because I had the good audio and I wanted to pass it along to you. Since then, the only exit interview, the only, really, only real piece of news that is Hawks related specifically um, was that Trey Young spoke to the media via Zoom on Wednesday. And that was only about half the length of the Schlenk and Pierce uh, interview, which is not a big surprise, about Trey, but about a half hour with Trey. I don't have the same quality audio. It's actually on my phone for that one, so I'm going to round it up a little bit with my notes. Uh, no audio from Trey in here, but hopefully you'll get the uh, highlights of that before we catch up with the guys from Locked on Cavs. So, um, just kind of going down the gamut here, Young said that he thought it was, quote, very important for him, end quote, to speak out at the Norman protest that he went to uh, earlier in the month. And he described uh, he described that as a responsibility, quote unquote, for him to speak out during that time, use his platform. I thought that was uh, definitely uh, well informed and he's uh, done a very, a very good job recently with his public comments. Uh, also, basketball-wise, he said that he was both, quote, mad and frustrated, end quote, after hearing the Hawks would not be going to Orlando to play in the bubble. But he does understand. He came back and said um, that the league you know, sort of had to make, make that decision based on safety factors, want to make it safe as possible. So he gets that, as I think all Hawks are going to express something like that. I think all these guys want to play, and Trey was very clear about that, that he wanted to play, but also understands what's going on here. Um, Basketball-wise, also, he mentioned that uh, he wants to improve his conditioning and shape. He was actually asked kind of what he was prioritizing uh, over the summer basketball-wise, and um, he mentioned those things uh, in part because he wants to be able to play 100% effort on both, on both ends of the floor. Uh, that's a good thing, obviously, that you want to hear from him, get, uh, get, especially given his defensive issues in the past. I would personally add this something that he did not say, but I'll add it now. I think him having to do a little bit less offensively will help with that. He had this insane usage rate this year that you know he was you know to his credit able to operate still efficiently at. But uh, as the Hawks get some other guys to carry some more of the load, um, that will be that you would presume that would help him effort wise, defensively, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, he was also asked, as you might imagine, about playing in the Skins League uh, in Oklahoma last week. If you missed it, I did play the audio on that podcast from Lloyd Pierce, uh, so two, two shows ago, when he was asked about that. He gave a pretty diplomatic answer, I thought, and kind of spun it forward as a message to the team. I would definitely recommend going back and listening to that for some context on that. Um, as for Young, he said he was, quote, itching to play, end quote, and it was one of the first times that he touched a ball in quite some time. He also said that he couldn't remember the last time, if ever, that he went three or four months without playing a basketball game, which is certainly... Uh, worth noting, and uh, honestly, that's kind of how I'd imagine all these guys are. Anybody who's been playing basketball their whole lives, like Trey Young, you never go that long without playing a basketball game. So uh, that's definitely worth pointing out. He did say that he wanted to make sure it was uh, it was safe to play. He didn't go into specifics on that, but he did say at least that he, he considered that. And in a follow-up later in the interview, he was asked about um, whether he spoke to Pierce about it. After the fact, he said he did, and uh, there was a, quote, mixed feeling from Pierce about him playing in that league. Young said that Pierce does know him and knows, knows that he loves to play, and I think that everybody knows that. Anyway, anyway that's been following Trey Young, he is uh, not shy about telling people how much he likes basketball, which is a good thing, I think, obviously. Um, but Pierce also understands that, and he's open to it, but at the same time, he wants Young to be in a safe environment to protect him, to protect himself, um, which is something Trey wanted to pass along. And, uh, you know, not, not a whole lot of clarity on that, but it's one of those things where I think you can kind of see both sides. Obviously, Trey wants to play. Lloyd wants him to play, uh, just more in a, in, a, in a responsible environment. And I hope that's the last of that story for now. Um, other stuff was just kind of normal exit interview fodder, pretty standard stuff. He talks about being excited about the path the team is on. He was asked about winning championships. He said he wants to do that. Uh, no surprise there, of course. He spoke highly of the rookies, from Reddish to Hunter and Fernando. He also said that he's excited to play with Cl- Cl- Capella and that it's going to be fun. That's a direct quote, quote, uh, the going to be fun part. He also... I think purposely, and he even said that almost, uh, didn't say anything specific about next season expectation-wise when he was asked about that. That's a smart move overall. I think you want to get yourself in some trouble if you start putting like you know definitive expectations on the table, but he was uh, kind of coy about that, even while saying he was pretty uh, excited about the team's future. Um, I'm going to read a quote to you now that he said about sort of being motivated by being left out of the bubble. And uh, he said, getting this time off is really motivating all of us to not be in, in this position again next year, end quote. And he also said uh, that we'll, that we're all going to be, quote, really motivated going into the season and even going into the offseason about training and what we're going to do to help us get to that level next year, end quote. So, uh, you know, not a big surprise. You want, to see, you want to see your guys spin that forward and use this motivation, use this time to get better. I think uh, Trey's saying all the right things with regard to that. Then finally, post-exit interview, on Thursday there was a report in the Norman Transcript that Trey and his family are pledging to donate $4 million toward a multi-sport facility in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, reportedly, according to that report from the Norman Transcript, he's going to have naming rights on that and some design involvement with the $4 million being spread out over a few years, and that could be official later on in June. That's obviously a pretty cool gesture from a young guy like Trey. He's doing a very, very good job right now, honestly, using his platform and reaching effectively. If you want to read more about some of the other stuff, not necessarily the, the, the Norman Transcript report, because that's been unconfirmed um, by Trey at this point in time, but Rashad Milligan of Peace Troops wrote about uh, Trey's off-court influence on Thursday. At Peace Tree Hoops, if you want to read that, I recommend checking that as well. But overall, uh, a really good time, a really good stretch here for Trey Young as a leader in face of the franchise, in my opinion. Okay, um, with that out of the way, we'll get to the conversation that I had with the Locked On Cavs guys. Before we get to that, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. It's hard to sit down and find the time to read and learn more. When you don't have the free time, you can't read or work in personal development. There's an incredible app, though, that solves this problem. It's one of the ultimate life hacks and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. 
Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. It takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down in just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to on your own schedule. That is huge for busy people like you who just want to get the main points of a book in a hurry. And so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during, during your commute, on your lunch break, or even while you're exercising. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. It has a massive growing library that features all kinds of varied offerings. Blinkist also has the latest titles from bestsellers and classic nonfiction options that you always meant to read but could never find the time to open up. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to the entire library, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Blinkist, go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it free for seven days and save 25% off a new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA to start a seven-day free trial. From there, you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. Today's podcast is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And there are almost endless reasons to love Built Bar. In addition to the incredible taste that it brings, Built Bar is perfect for anybody that's trying to be health conscious with the ability to maintain or even lose weight while still indulging in something that tastes absolutely delicious. Each bar is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. It's making this even better. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And part of that is that it's covered in 100% chocolate, unlike some of the other offerings in the space. Built Bars are soft and very easy to chew. My personal favorite, as I always say on the podcast, is the banana nut fruit the banana nut bread flavor, but there are plenty of other options that are fantastic for you you to choose from. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to uh, pick and choose from, and they all present their own appeal that everyone can fall in love with. I would fully recommend Built Bar, and or check this out for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com slash, uh, actually it's BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It is an absolutely perfect day to try Built Bar. And now, here is the episode and the conversation that I had with the host of the Locked On Cavs podcast. Hey, I'm Chris Manning here from Locked On Cavs. Evan Damrell is with me as always, my co-pilot here on the pod. Evan, what's up, buddy? Oh, not a whole lot. It's uh, the end times in Cleveland right now, according to the weather at least. Uh, lost power for a second, but I think we're hanging in there. How are you? Doing good, but we have a special guest. We're doing a little Locked On Cavs, Locked On Hawks. I don't think we've come up with a good name for like the teams that aren't going to Orlando quite yet, but... Aid. Yeah, well, you know, we'll come up with something better, more catchy. But joining us is one of the hosts of a Lockdown podcast covering a team also not going there. That's Brad Roland, the great host of Lockdown Hawks. Brad, what's up, buddy? How are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm hanging in there. We're, we're, we're all doing the same thing right now. And I actually like the Delete 8. I, I know it's not like an original that we came up with. I think it was John Hollinger or someone like that. But I like that. We, we could come up with a new one. I, I guess we probably should try, but uh, I'm with that for, for right now. I say we, uh, I think the the missed opportunity in all this, um, and Brad and I are in a thread with Seth Pollock, who's our, our boss over in the SB Nation family, and my, he's they're doing like a preview for the teams that get to have basketball, in, in theory at least, and uh, they're like wondering how we could do some stuff for the teams, you know, not in there, the, the quote-unquote delete eight. Um, I'm, pro, I'm pro, like, now let's go to like a weird city, like Seattle, Vancouver, just somewhere that used to have an NBA team, and then the winner of that tournament gets the number one pick. See, give me something weird. I just need like mm-hmm. something weird to consume my life. But the problem is, it would result in like the Warriors getting the number one pick, and no one really wants that in their life, even in a bad draft year. I was gonna say, and the the, pro- the problem with that, um, not to cut you off, the problem with that, I always want to point this out: players don't care about the number one pick, and they're not gonna try. Facts. 
Yeah. Um, so that's a very popular idea that everyone always wants to talk about. Um, and number one, if they did try, the Warriors would win. And number two, they don't care usually. Like some players would if they were like entrenched. For instance, like on the on the Hawks, someone like Trey Young may actually care about the number one pick because he's going to get to play with that guy. But the supporting pieces don't want to have their one pick in a lot of ways because then they, 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 get, they get replaced and they're not a priority anymore. So like players, I know it sounds fun for fans and it would be fun to sweat it out. But I think people have to remember that players, players usually don't actually want to play for the number one pick, I wouldn't imagine. No, I, I, I really wouldn't. I don't think they do want to play for the number one pick, especially if you look at the Cavs. You have a lot of apathetic players on this roster, begin with Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. They definitely <laughs> okay, don't care okay. about playing okay, for the number one the pick. Okay, here's the thing, Evan. I would, pay a, I would love to watch Andre Drummond be like, hey, dude, you have to play, and we need you to play so you can like Wait, get the Chris, number one pick. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to take threes from midcourt. I, I Chris, need that. this is a great opportunity for Andre to freelance for a couple – I mean, Charlotte – could be an option for Andre's talents. Uh, New York, maybe. Golden State. Leak leak that you want to pay Andre Drummond like $200 million or something. Okay, I'm going to ask this question. Do, do you guys think he's going to opt out? No. No, he's we, opting that's why, yeah, we, I just want to make sure. We're almost 100% certain he's going to take that money because from what I've heard from sources close to the situation, he kind of knows he's not getting offered 28 million on the open market right now. The, uh, the Hawks trading for Capella really, uh, really hurt Andre, uh, in terms of having a team to, uh, agent and use, um, the Hawks were like the, the very, very natural team to at least act like might have interest in Drummond. I'm not sure if they actually did, but, uh, now that they're, that team doesn't exist, uh, plus everything else that happened, I am going to lose a bet to a good friend of the program of mine, Zach Hood, who helps me run Peachtree Hoops. We we made a, we made a, a drum and bet before he got traded to Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I I argued that he was going to opt out, and I'm I'm going to lose that one because and, and I knew it right away. As soon as he went to Cleveland, I was like, well, I'm in trouble. <laughs> uh, you mean Trey Young's good friend Andre Drummond was like not like that? That was just some leakage. That uh, <laughs> was out. That was certainly out there for a minute. And honestly, <laughs> I it would not have surprised me if they traded for him because they wanted to send it really bad. But Capella worked out better, I think. Yeah, I, I, I guess the Cavs did too because it's not like they had a multitude of bigs on their roster before Andre got here, and it's not <laughs> like they're going to after the draft either. So it, it's cool. It's whatever. Yes, Brad. Before we get into like talking about what's going on, I just feel like I have to ask you, as like someone I know um, that that likes Mich- the Michigan Wolverines, just do you have like a reflection on the John Beeline Cavs era, like as someone that didn't witness that implosion up close? But do you have just a take on it from afar? Um. I'm not surprised it didn't go well. Um, I was actually a little bit hopeful that it might work, but generally college coaches are bad ideas. Um, I, I always feel that way. You know, Beeline, Beeline's system at the college level felt really modern, and I think he does understand math in a way that college coaches don't a lot. But I am not surprised that a very old, uh, old school coach, we should say, uh, did not work at the NBA, especially when you're taking over a team like the Cavs with kind of mismatched parts. Um, taking over rebuild in general as a college coach um, is bad because you're not going to have the usually. I don't know. It was a bad situation, I would imagine, for both sides. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it. I, I thought it might work, but that, maybe that was being being me being optimistic and uh, knowing how good he was at the college level. But I am thoroughly not surprised that it didn't work at the end of the day. Yeah, that's about right. Okay, so let's talk about where our teams are at. These are the quote-unquote delete eight, the teams not involved 
um, in the NBA Direct in Orlando, Travis Schlenkbrad has been a guy very out there talking about this, um, very open about his desire to see Atlanta back. And then also just I know you, you were on the call where he was talking about how he wants uh, some clarity basically on what the next steps are for these teams, the Cavs among them. J.B. Bickerstaff has kind of alluded to some of the same stuff. But I, I think for me, I'll just say I think it makes sense they're not in Orlando for health reasons, basically. But what do you what do you just make of where these eight teams are at? These are obviously not good teams. Uh, the Warriors obviously kind of the, the weird one there because they just had a weird year and everything. But what do you just make of where Atlanta's at and where these eight teams overall as a group are kind of at amid what's going on right now? It's obviously really tricky. You know, you mentioned Schlenk's been talking even before the – the decision was final to go to 22 teams. The Hawks were pretty vocal between Schlenk on the record a few times, Pierce on the record a few times, uh, and even a, a report anyway. It was not on the record, but uh, from Woj about the owner, Tony Ressler, being candid about wanting the Hawks to play. And I could see why. I mean, I, I think of all the teams that are not in the bubble, it's probably the easiest to make a case as the Hawks to, to want to play because they are so reliant and they have – they're sort of in the middle of this rebuild and they have a bunch of young guys that they like and they wanted to see those guys play. And I totally get that. I think it's a little overstated, frankly. And I said that on my show before, like, I think the value of playing, you know, five to eight regular regular season games for the Hawks was not going to be all that important, frankly, but that extra practice time is huge for a team that's trying to get um, development going on and uh, sort of just have their young guys play together or maybe even integrate click, click a pillow in the mix so I, I get it why they wanted to play. For me, I'm just my on the record thoughts on this is basically I, I hope they can do something together as a team during this period, but I don't think they I have no problem with them not going to Orlando. I think if anything they took too many teams to Orlando, I think twenty two doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense to me. Um it never kinda did. So I'm not offended. I think they're not offended deep down. I mean, I'm sure players wanted to play. You know, Trey Young said that today as we record this, that he wanted to play and was kind of upset by it. But even then, he said he understands because, you know, regular season games would have made some money for everybody, and that's the point of all this, frankly. It's not because of safety. But it does make no sense. You can't argue. No one can argue that having 30 teams is safer than 22 teams or 20 teams. So throw that argument out there, and it gets shot down in a hurry. And there's just no argument to send them there, in my opinion, other than just pure money grab. And they did they did enough of that already. So I don't know. It's gonna be weird. And um, I do agree with Travis and Lloyd and everyone that said this already that the biggest thing now is to just have them know what's gonna happen. And that's the it's hard because no one knows what's gonna happen this whole time. There's so much uncertainty, but. Uh, they're trying to plan their off season and doing like exit interviews this week and not knowing when they're going to be able to meet. And that's that stuff. Before we get to the rest of the podcast, a word from the good folks at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Rockauto.com has everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. One reason people choose to repair and maintain their own cars is to save money, and that, and that money can be used for other more important things. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store? or even a new car dealership. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everybody, and they always 
offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. The rockauto.com catalog is also remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. And again, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. From there, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Evan, what do you think? Um, For Atlanta or for Cleveland? Well, I guess in general. I mean, you and I have talked about the Cleveland part a lot. I think the viewpoint of these franchises is the same. I'm looking at the list of teams, and it's like the Warriors, I think there's no benefit. The Hornets, I don't really – I can't say have, like, a good read on the Hornets in 2020. I, think the, I know Devontae Graham's, like, really good. I think the Warriors are kind of it's – the, it's the Warriors and everybody else, honestly, of, yes. the, of these eight yes. teams. And I think everybody knows that to the point where the Warriors are – kind of candid on the record about like not caring if anything happens like i think steve kerr said that earlier this week like we don't want to play games um and have to travel across the country and all that stuff i don't really blame them either like they're in a situation that's just not like any of the other teams basketball wise they have you know maybe not a full-blown contending core when they're healthy but certainly they're going to be a good basketball team next year Mm -hmm. if they're healthy whereas no one else that's not going to the bubble can make that claim with 100 percent certainty um so it's tough yeah, and I'll, I'll just say this. You look at the other teams in this on this list. So, okay, the, the, the Cavs are really bad. I know they wanted to play, but, like, next year is, like, just trying to not be as crappy as they were this year. The Hawks, you kind of outline them. The Pistons, um, they're kind of in the middle. I would say the beginning of really kind of diving all the way down to the bottom and just kind of oh. seeing where they go from there. You have the Knicks. The Knicks are perpetually the Knicks. You have the Bulls, who probably are going to have a new head coach, you would think, and are certainly prob- probably – um, just are probably thinking more about their roster or more than actual games. Then again, I don't have it written in the Hornets. Then you have the Timberwolves, who, like, again, Carl Anthony Towns' mom died from coronavirus. Like, <laughs> there's no way... Uh, it would have been a very weird thing to see him be asked to play after that, I think. Um, I don't. I know he hasn't really spoken a ton since, and understandably, but, you know, like, that... There's not a lot there, and I, I'm with you. I think 20 teams was, like, the right kind of number, and then you just, you know, Wizards, like, sorry, you're not that good, you know? like The, the Wizards and the and Suns I, don't yeah. make any sense. Honestly, they, yeah, do, they just don't. Not at all. I don't, like, I don't care. Like, I love Bradley Beal. I think Devin Booker's fun. Um, I don't care about seeing them a ton when there's a pandemic going on, frankly. Um, I, I But I think the I think if these teams don't get minicamps, and Evan, I'm curious what you think here, I have – I think the, the minicamp idea, if health permits you to do it, is just a very, very logical way to kind of let these teams do something that they, they frankly probably – that's the that's the thing I'm most sympathetic to is them getting to have minicamps in the offseason. I don't really care about them getting to go to Orlando or not. Yeah, I, I think it's – yeah, I agree with both of you that I think it's dumb that the NBA brought all of these teams down to Orlando just for them – the majority of them, at least for the people that – or at least teams that are – lottery teams technically as well just to have the luxury of playing a handful of games and then just going home for the year like it just kind of feels like a lot of legwork especially from a safety standpoint but no mini camps definitely feel beneficial when you look at it there are some regional matchups that make sense obviously cleveland and detroit atlanta and charlotte uh i guess chicago and new york or no chicago and minnesota and then new york and golden state are kind of the odd ones out there but maybe these other teams that get eliminated you kind of figure that out as you go but um 
Yeah, no, I just think a mini camp situation would definitely be beneficial. It's just my question is when is it going to happen? Because at least if for a team like the Cavs, and Chris, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum at this point, they're this stoppage in play could not have come at a worse time for them because J.B. Bakerstaff was just finally starting to look like get comfortable with 11 games under his belt as head coach of the Cavs, and this is a really young and impressionable roster that's trying to grow and develop underneath two coaches in the same year. Um, that's, you know, not really a recipe for success to begin with, but to have this stoppage in play for the longer you drag this out, this is just going to hamstring the Cavs' overall development to hopefully becoming at least a playoff team, at least they think they are next year, so... <laughs> I don't know. It's just um, it's the East, man. So, Anything's possible yeah. in the East. Hey, JB, that, that's a great tagline. Like, I'm. Let's not longer call it the the worst conference or the JV conference, as Zach Lowe likes. So let's just call it anything as possible. Let's like be, do some positive, positive branding where you two could make the playoffs. <laughs> there you go. I, I mean, I uh, I think the Hawks are obviously a little bit further ahead than the Cavs right now. Not that the Hawks were good this year, and because they, they absolutely weren't. But there were some. See, they're games. only a game up on the Cavs right now. Don't beat a bully about that. I'm bad. just saying. I think if we're being objective and laid out and sort of laid out the organizational paths for the two teams, the Hawks are a little bit further ahead. Is that am I controversial on that one? No, I don't, I'm just giving no, you. I'm no, just no, giving no. you Trey, a hard time. Yeah, no. And in terms of like the young guys, it's like Trey is just a different it, caliber. Yeah, of it's guy really than it's really Trey versus everybody else. And I, and I think John Collins is really good too. Um, and you know the Hawks, the the guy the Hawks traded for that was their veteran acquisition in Clint Capella is actually signed long term in a way that Andre Drummond is not. Um, there's all kinds of things, but it's just it's just really weird to me. As far as the minicamp idea, I'm I'm with you 100. percent I think honestly, if it was me, minicamp is the most important thing along the way here. Like I think the value of them playing quote unquote games, even if it's like against a regional person or a regional team or whatever, is going to be overstated for every reason other than maybe there's some appeal of like putting that on TV. So your fans, your fans have some way to watch the team. But other than that, mm-hmm. I think the basketball implications of that are like not really important. The mini camp is where the basketball work gets done. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. And I think the other part of this too, is just look like there's like the health concern of this is just not really going to go away. This could rapidly change. I mean, before we started recording, Evan told me about the whole thing about the, the players are like baffled. Some players are apparently baffled that they couldn't leave the bubble in Orlando. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, like, um, like what are we like? I, Evan, I'm just going to say this bluntly. So if you guys don't have to, um, so if you want to get mad about me saying this at me, but like, if you, if you're a player and you thought you'd be able to leave the bubble in Orlando amid a pandemic and then come back and have like just the ability to play again or whatever, you're stupid that's stupid like it's a pandemic mm-hmm. like if you're leaving and you're gonna go if pull like go wherever that's just silly that's just outright a, a silly notion and but it seems like like these things are just gonna keep rapidly kind of changing i mean it's june 10th basketball's not supposed to return until july 31st right like we're not we're a ways away from sort of this actually resolving itself and i I feel like there's going to be a lot of little wrinkles but i think the only universal point right now is like steve kerr said it the hawks have said it the Cavs are now james brago um from the hornets head coach said it as well it's like everyone at least wants some form of mini camp some form of off-season work and i I do think that's like the only fair thing that i can understand i think i think especially for teams that will have continuity. So Atlanta will obviously have Lloyd Pierce and the, the core, their kind of main core, you would say, aside for the draft pick coming back, the Cavs kind of the same thing you would think. That I think that's the kind of thing that could actually really help those teams and kind of at least in some ways make up for some of the things that they lost by not getting having the season finished due to coronavirus. I, I yeah. Think, I, go, go ahead. 
No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna I was gonna say I think there are some real questions about mini camps. Like I know Travis Schlenk brought this up on uh, in the exit interview that he did about like about pending free agents and whether those guys are supposed to come to this or not. And you know, yeah, I think they probably shouldn't just in general. Um, but the guys who are under contract for all these teams, I think you know it's it's fairly logical, especially once you have clearance and like a protocol to do so. To just even if it's only you know eight eight or ten guys versus the whole roster of fifteen to seventeen guys, if it's seven, eight, nine guys that you have under contract, there's value on those guys coming together and getting instruction and playing basketball. It doesn't have to be broadcast if it doesn't work out that way, but I I know I'm very confident that the Hawks would value that time. And the only way you're going to be able to do that in mandatory is, is in mandatory in mandatory fashion because, you know, otherwise if it's voluntary, guys are going to show up for sure, but it won't be the same. It's just not the same thing. And you know, there's OTA stuff in the NFL, but I think the one thing that if, if you want to make it uniform, and they're going to have to make it uniform because they're going to try to neg- negotiate this with the players' association, is maybe you get one mandatory mini camp for a week or something like that. It's going to have to be something. Easily, easily digestible that all eight teams can agree on and the players can agree on, and that is harder than people think it is. I think. No, it really it is. It, there's a lot of hurdles that they have to go through at this point, and um, from what I gather, at least from talking to people within the players' association, they're not really focused on this whole mini camp thing. Is because there's so many factors and variables going on right now with teams reporting to Disney in terms yeah. of safety and. Obviously, the bombshell that's dropped right now uh, by Woj. Um, Adrian, if you're listening, please unblock me. At, uh, I'm sorry for whatever I did. But um, <laughs> th- either, Amazing. Evan somehow got blocked by Woj. Don't know how he did I don't know either. I just... One, one, one wrong quote tweet or something and got you in the penalty box. No, man. I don't aggregators. know. Ag- yeah, I, I'm a dirty aggregator. I'm sorry, that's a, that's a windy thing. That's Love windy you. Horse, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I feel like it's just in the mini camp idea. I think is definitely going to be a realistic thing because it really, I don't want to say isn't fair because I guess this is the problem with being a bad team is you don't get to have a Disney vacation. That's my joke of the day. Um, but at the same time, if you look at the Cavs, they're going to go almost nine months without really playing basketball. Maybe eight if you include like preseason and training camp in November, but. Yeah, these teams are bad for a reason. A lot of them are rebuilding teams or teams with a lot of young players on their roster. Like these are hugely beneficial, but I guess we just won't really have a concrete idea until things are underway in Orlando. As long as that thing doesn't completely fall apart, because another concern Chris and I have is it's such a bad look for the NBA if a player of like LeBron James or Giannis's caliber catches the coronavirus, and um, it just looks it just looks like bad optics overall, and it just sullies the whole entire experience. But yeah, it's just hugely beneficial for teams like Cleveland, like Atlanta, especially Detroit as well, because Chris touched on them as well, because they're on the downswing. Like, Golden State doesn't care, so maybe it's just the uh, Selective 7, if we want to call them that, instead of the uh, Delete 8, but I don't know. It's just um, it's a weird time. I'm going to be surprised if they do a Summer League style where all of these eight teams or even even seven of them come together i won't be stunned i won't like fall over and fall out of my chair but i think that seems unlikely to me that's just me guessing but given everything that's going on how many logistics there would be to bring them all to one place 
and the fact that it's not a priority pretty clearly right now with them trying to deal with Orlando first, I think the least likely scenario is them bringing everybody to one place. I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty surprised by that, honestly. Yeah, and I look at the, I just look at the the teams too, and it's not exactly like there's not exactly like obvious regional pairings for all of these. Like the Cavs and Pistons are very close. Like that's a forty five, what like Evan, like a forty five minute hour drive between the two cities. Forty five minute um, hour, Chris. What? How? What, no, it's a. I mean, I'm giving you a hard time. It's like a, f- a five hour drive, I think. Oh, is it really? Okay, well, it's close. The, it's, and the Hawks, no, the no. Hawks and Hornets are like Sorry. three and a half, four hours too. It's not like okay. it's down the okay, street, so, but. Yeah. Okay. yeah, but it's like okay, See, if, if, I, if you're in Toledo, you... Toledo, and then Toledo yeah. from Toledo, it's about an hour and a half, two hours okay. to Detroit. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm an idiot, but like the Knicks, like you, the Knicks and the Bulls aren't close. Like the Warriors were the only team, like really west of this grouping. Like every other team that isn't in the bubble is like Minnesota and East. So it's not exactly like logical pairings. And I think if I was a team, I would certainly want at least some. Like I, I, I don't know. I've never like talked enough to NFL people to know how effective they are. But, like, when the Browns will, like, go to Indianapolis and, like, practice with the Colts and, like, they do these inter-squad practices and they were going to do them with the Packers this year. I think there is something probably you gain from that. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think, I don't I think what, for you know, sure, but at, at the same time, don't those happen, like, closer to the season where you're where you're really ramping up towards the season sure yeah yeah the value of that in the off season would be less to me i don't know why that's i don't know why i'm saying that but i feel like in my brain the value of playing at somebody else in july if the season doesn't start till december is a lot less than if it was like part of training camp i don't know see yeah that's where my question is, is like when is this going to happen because it's there's a benefit to doing this as soon as possible because you're not taking time away from these players who maybe need more time just practicing and working with the coaches but at the same time i've told this to chris the benefit at least if you look at like cleveland and detroit um it's a little awkward because andre drummond's played with everybody on both teams at this point but um you could swap him out as the center for both squads make the scrimmages really interesting (laughs) he can just stay on the offensive end the whole time probably wants to do that anyway yeah just chucking threes and playmaking baby you know how it is jb encouraged it in his uh, press conference the other day so whatever but um the benefit is at least is you're not playing against the same guys there's a little bit of variance there's a little bit of difference maybe you get um some guys who try to take this seriously but i guess the other thing is if you, i guess the other concern is if you pull play this in july like you said um i doubt players are really going to go 100 percent because they have to keep in the back of their mind like why would i face the risk of getting injured when the season doesn't resume play till late november early december and then i could be at jeopardy to missing actual time when the games actually matter so it's just a weird time and yeah like we've kind of just kind of circled around plenty of times at this point these eight teams that were not invited to disney are more or less just an afterthought right now and then they'll worry about them once they get orlando figured out yeah uh, the, I think the other thing that would be fun about a Cavs business thing, though, is, like, Kevin and Kevin Love and Blake Griffin could just, like, hang out and talk about being, like, very expensively pay power forwards who, like, can't get traded anywhere. They can just bond over that for, like, a day or two. That would be a bonding um, experience for everyone. But, yeah, I mean, it can't... would rather have? I think they all know... I think I feel, like the, I, feel, I feel like these teams deep down know they're not a priority, but they have to push like they are. And... Yeah. I mean, the, it's one of those things where... It may, be, it may be more likely to get, like, approved in the same part of negotiation because the whole thing that makes this even harder is that they have to negotiate. Everything's got to be negotiated right now regardless, but especially this this offseason stuff for these non-bubble teams, none of this is outlined in the CBA at all. 
Like, yeah. at least with the playoffs, yeah, there's stuff to negotiate, but the playoffs are still the playoffs. The format's the same. Guys know they're, that they're, you know, play out, what the playoffs look like. All of this offseason activity is not touched in the CBA at all. So they're, li- they're literally just have to, ma- they have, they have to make it up on the fly. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are probably layers to that that we don't understand because I'm not a labor attorney. But I feel like it's going to be a little bit harder even to do some of that stuff because it, th- there's nothing in the CBA that outlines mandatory offseason activity. It doesn't exist anywhere. No. Yeah. Uh, Brad, let's, let's finish on this last kind of thing that I think is uh, going to be of pertinence to both of our teams. Um, between the Cavs, the Hawks, and all, frankly, like all teams, just going to back them. I have, I have, I have yeah, a fun Evan, question before you. So we were talking about Blake Griffin and Kevin Love being the most overpaid. Brad, who would you rather have, Kevin Love or Blake Griffin, at this point in their careers? Uh, I mean, the the question that I have to get answered to that would be, can Blake play basketball? Because oh. that that's really the question. Like, if if Blake is if Blake is healthy, which he probably is not, I would take Blake. But at least with Kevin Love, you assume he's going to be able to play. So so you're telling me we should hope that maybe there's a John Collins for Kevin Love swap somewhere down the line. That was uh, that's not going to happen, I don't think. But uh. <laughs> do you, Chris? I'm sure will remember this. Do you remember that there was like a stray rumor about Kevin Love to the Hawks before before the draft? Yep. Yeah. And no, it was it, like um, I laughed it out of the room immediately. I knew I knew it was actually I knew it was ridiculous immediately, but it like got picked up by some people, and I was like, "That's not a thing. That's going to happen. I promise you." Um, I may have DM. We maybe even had like a DM we about this. About you, it. You, yeah. Yeah. You're if if our DMs, which no one should ever leak, ever get leaked, it's just that they're incredibly salty and sarcastic DMs. They're quite they're quite wonderful. Yeah, we just rant say. sometimes, but yeah, but the, I, the, I, uh, the, you can't have John Collins. I'm sorry. That's a, a boy can dream. Kevin Love to the Hawks definitely was a rumor. I think Kevin to New Orleans was more of a thing on draft night, but that kind of lost legs pretty quickly because Cleveland overvalues all of their players. So that's most, just the most teams. Problem. Most teams do that um, in their. Defense. But it's uh, but um, the, the Cavs are a different kind of beast, much to Chris and I's frustration. <laughs> Weirdos. Um, so let's talk about the draft. I don't know what the draft looks like. The draft is purportedly 2013-esque, which is obviously should send chills up everyone's spine. What does a draft combine look like during a pandemic? What do interviews look like during a pandemic? What do the all-fabled workouts that teams will use to, like, get real excited about a guy? Um, like, I don't know if you guys heard the story about how the um, how the, the Pistons, like, fell in love with Darko, and it's just like there's no like wait that's gonna happen now uh it was on the chad one of the chad four pods uh, it's either on him or he's on simmons but we're just in a very weird spot with the draft and i don't know i don't know i don't do not envy any gm front office coach brain trust that uh would have to figure out what to do in, in approaching the draft i just it, it's going to be crazy and i don't really quite know how to like you can actually prepare for it in a way that makes coherent sense it's gonna be tough I, yeah <laughs> It's tough. It's just going to be tough. I don't, there's really like, there's no guidebook to really anything. I feel like they have a clause in the CBA for quote unquote a pandemic, but I do wonder if they, they, they wrote that in thinking like, ah, that's not really going to happen. And then here we are. We don't know what to handle or what to do really across the board in society when it comes to a pandemic and draft included. I think that, you know, this, this draft being brutal before everything else, this is a bad draft, like frankly. And I think everyone knows that and acknowledges it. You throw that in, you throw on, you throw on top of that, 
you know, maybe there's some individual workouts before the draft, but I, you have to assume, no, that's something Travis Schleck said recently on, on the record was like, you kind of have to assume that you're not going to be able to see these guys. And if you end up seeing them, that's, that's sort of icing on the, t- icing on the cake, but you have to kind of navigate this whole thing, assuming you're not going to be able to have these guys in your facility or do workouts or maybe even have a combine. So on the bright side, you would assume that means teams might lean more on tape, which is probably a good thing. But the big thing for me and the big thing that the Hawks have said and other teams have said is that the medical information is the, is the thing. Because if you don't have medicals, you know, fans don't always think about that stuff, but teams will be mm-hmm. terrified to draft guys without, without medical information. And if they don't have that, uh, good luck to you, because I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, I do. There's, that's, that's, that's definitely a big thing for sure to take into consideration. And um, hopefully there's a few teams out there that fall in love with some quality highlight tape and maybe just maybe a better player ends up falling to your respective squad. But Chris and I are all in on the Lamella ball experience, so it's all good. I I'm have ready. him I'm number ready. one on my board if it makes you feel any better. Um, who's, your, who's your favorite Hawks fit? This is a really bad draft for anyone. It's worse for the Hawks because – I would say yeah. three three of my top five guys on my board, uh, in my you know NBA big board sense, are point guards or centers. Both of which the Hawks don't want to draft. I don't think now they they still can. The Hawks still absolutely could draft Lamelo. They could draft Killian Hayes. They could draft Onyeka Kongwu. They're allowed to do that in part because Lamelo six seven and you could conceivably play him with Trey Young, but I, I think for me anyway. He has to be downgraded a tad if you're the Hawks because he's not going to, you know, he's a point guard at the end of the day, in my opinion. Yeah. So they could still take him. But the guy everybody wants here is Anthony Edwards, both because he's local and because he's not a point guard. But I'm not the biggest Anthony Edwards fan. I'll be honest with you. I think he would make a lot of sense for the Hawks if they draft him. I will not be surprised, nor will I criticize that. But uh, he's not a traditional, for me anyway, a traditional top two pick in a draft. I think in a normal draft, he would not be in that discussion for me so that kind of gives you the red flags along the way but he, he, he's probably the guy I would still give you as my answer ultimately as for the Hawks fit because if it works out with him he would compliment Trey Young really well he's athletic and he's you know positionally not something that the Hawks really have a whole lot of at the moment with that sort of guy who's able to create for himself who's athletic on the wing etc so he makes the most sense I just don't love him frankly yeah, I think that's how we, Chris and I, both feel about this draft classes. There's not really a guy that we 100% are all. I mean, the, the, Lamelo for sure, but that's drafting a third point guard three years in a row. And to quote friend of the podcast, Justin Rowan, Kevin Love's already had that done to him once in Minnesota. Why do you want to do that to him again in Cleveland? But I'm, I'm kind of rooting um, for it just just to see what you guys do. Uh, and by you guys, I mean actually you guys, uh, the two of you. I want I want to see how you navigate the world in which the entire internet descends again. Um, to say, I will, look you, at look at all the point uh, guards in Cleveland. Brad, Brad, you know what I will do with three point guards and the ball bump? I will cash my damn checks. That's what Me I will too. do. We'll be locked on ball family. At <laughs> locked this on point. ball Just, podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. I, don't I will. Blame you. I will do. Give me the BBB live reads. I don't even yeah. to, like. Let me. Let's get Leant. Let's get. Uh, who's the middle one? Leangelo. Let's get him on the Canton charge. Let's get him on the Canton charge. Let's go. I'm all in. Just mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. go. I need. I'm gonna need something in my life. I appreciate your enthusiasm. Uh, yeah. I say this now, but like I'm gonna. The yeah. Cavs are gonna get number one and be like, okay, Obi Topin. Um, oh, we're gonna Lord. play Drummond, Nance, Love, and and Topin together. Cool. Cool. 
cool. Not that cool. I mean, fun. yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> hey, Larry Nance shared with us that the Cavs didn't know what they were doing when they played him at small forward. Kevin Love at power forward and Tristan Thompson at center. So why not add a little bit more weirdness to the mix by drafting another big guy just to frustrate me to no end? Yeah, I feel like the Hawks and the Cavs, at least in terms of teams in the top five, landing a top three pick could be a bad thing because there's a lot of just there's some good with these players but there's a lot of bad and a lot of that bad doesn't match up very well in terms of what cleveland and atlanta at least is looking for i mean golden state if they end up there they can just trade that pick and they're fine yeah i i was going to say i would rather just like even if you don't love the draft just pick one and like if you at least you control it you know what i mean like i would rather have control and even if you make the wrong decision at least you have control like if you're just like you know what i don't love lamello has fit on my team i don't love him i don't want to deal with the balls I think James Wiseman is like a disaster waiting to happen, whatever. I'll just take Denny of Deja and be fine. Like, it's a weird draft. Like, at least you control it, you know? I mean, if you end up at five and, like, the top five is, like, Edwards, Ball, Abjizia, and Killian Hayes, and then you're just like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Like, I don't need another big. I don't need Obi Topin. Like, it just becomes a weirder circumstance. I'd rather just control it, frankly. Well, if that was the case, Chris, I'd just take Devin Vassell and not even think twice about it. Yeah, I I don't know. It's one of those situations where the Hawks want to speed up a little bit, and it's just an Atlanta thing, but mm-hmm. I, I think they should and maybe will at least look at the trade market regardless. And that kind of is a difference between the Hawks and some of these other teams that are rebuilding. The Hawks have now been rebuilding for three years. This is year, They'll be going into year four of the rebuild, and they want to make the playoffs next year. And I think that might inform them. It doesn't necessarily have to. But if they land at like three or four and don't love their options, they might trade the pick for a player that can help them now. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Brad, as we get out of here, any final thoughts on where we're at right now with the NBA, with where the Hawks are? Just any final kind of parting thoughts on what you're looking for as we kind of continue on here? Uh, just just some clarity I think would help us all, uh, including the teams and us mm-hmm. people that cover the teams on what's going to happen. I would love to know a date of when and if the Hawks will have a camp of some sort and when the Cavs are going to play. But other than that, uh, we're all just holding on for dear life here and trying to navigate what could be and looks like it's going to be now a nine-month hiatus between between games that matter. Because if they play, it's not going to matter in that sense, like the quote-unquote matter, that other games matter. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how this all goes. I'm a little bit afraid, but just give me the lottery, frankly. That's kind of my overarching opinion. Yeah. Once the lottery yeah. arrives, we're home free, I feel like. I yeah. I feel like the draft lottery would give me a little bit of a pulse, at least on what's going on with the Cavs, because I was complaining about this to Chris the other day. There's nothing to talk about right now. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Just... Once the lottery gets here, you're now in a normal-ish offseason. The problem yeah. is we're having to burn through five months of content before the lottery gets here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I... Once the lottery arrives, we're going to feel normal again, I promise. Uh, at, least in, at least in terms of the basketball cycle, as long as everything happens, because then you have lottery, you have, like, the normal break, the draft, free agency, and then you, like, have a pretty shortened window before training camp. Like, it's going to move mm-hmm. a little bit when that once that gets here. Yeah, I think Evan and I have also talked about, like, you have a WNBA team in your backyard. We might just pick, like, the New York Liberty and, like, talk about them. I Honestly. wouldn't blame you whatsoever. The, the WNBA is fun. Sabrina Inescu is just, like, fun. Very you know? good Very and good like at basketball. Great. Yeah. Like, yeah, breaking news, she's great at basketball. And uh, 
we might just do that. Like, I just don't like know what else we're going to be doing. And I, I, I think the NBA, like obviously wants to be this 365 league. This is like the, probably the biggest test of how that can withstand. If the, if their schedule can like withstand a very significant bump. I mean, cause this isn't going to go away anytime soon. And then you have like Travis Schling talking about how like they might just condense the season and then maybe go back to the old format. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think we're going to have a weird, like two, three year run here before we kind of, whatever that new reality or readjusted reality looks like, I think we're like two years away from that. I keep just having to remind myself that like, this isn't going to be something that is like fixed come December. It's like, we're going to, this is going to be a process until this kind of normalizes. And I think for all sports, that's the case in all likelihood, but I think people just probably got to realize that. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am as well. Well, Brad, just for the people listening on the Lockdown Cast feed, um, where, where just give everyone a plug where they can find you if they aren't already, which they should be. Yeah, I am. Uh, the easiest place is at BT Roland on Twitter. I will post everything there. I am the editor in chief at Peachtree Hoops. I host this podcast. I do some stuff for Dime uh, on General NBA. I bounce around, but uh, Twitter at BT Roland if you want to find most of my uh, musings. Yeah, and if you're listening on the Locked on Hawks feed, uh, I'm Chris Manning. I'm on Twitter at CWM Rights, uh, and you find my – I run for the Swords with Brad and I – and Evan as well. He's kind yeah. of my co got running for the Swords with me. But Evan, give everyone a plug on where they can find you. Well, you can find me on Twitter, and you can see the ramblings of a madman at AmNotEvan. I cover the cast for Forbes Sports uh, online sports oh, section, okay. and I, yeah, help Chris run the show at Fear the Sword, and we have a lot of fun stuff planned over there. And – um yeah, thanks for sticking with us, even when this is kind of definitely the driest to the dry spell for the Delete 8. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe, and um, hopefully sooner rather than later we'll have some more updates for you in regard to the Delete 8. Thanks again.